This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's Fun Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu. Because he's got a one-track mind, a recent show on GPS being a very good example, we usually tackle one topic at a time on Matt's plane. That generally means there are more things we can't cover than we can talk about. Today, however, we're going to speed read our way through some of the topics Culture Pop's Matt gets asked on a daily basis. It sounds a little less depressing than what we do most weeks on Matt's plane. So Matt, today will be less depressing than the usual show on uh, on, on this uh, fun Friday. Yeah. Well, you might think so, but no. Uh, covering more topics means that I can scare even more people than usual. So I'm hoping today will be like watching a Tony Robbins lecture backwards. You'll feel a lot more scared and insecure by the end of it. So I'm going to jump straight in and ask the first question myself because I've been peppered with this this week. Uh, does the recent fire sale on Twitter and Facebook stock pose any great problems? Does it? For investors, sure. They've <laughs> lost lots and lots of money. Uh, and while those stocks may not dip too much further, um, I'm not an analyst, so you know, you'll know you get better advice listening to the Morning Run crew than uh, from me on that. I don't know if they'll soar again in quite the same way, but it doesn't seem to be the start of a tech sector route. Uh, Apple's quarterly announcement this week was very strong, uh, even if Huawei now makes more phones than Apple does. But most of us aren't Facebook or Twitter investors. You know, that's actually a really tiny number Mm. of people who are actually actively investing in those companies. The majority of us, which is literally billions of us, as far as the markets are concerned, We're just losers. I mean, users. (laughs) So what do you think this means for users then? Well, if you look at it that way around, it doesn't mean very much. Our day-to-day use of these services is going to continue. It's going to be exactly the same. The real question is, what does it mean to the people governing those companies? And if I was them, I would actually be really scared. Do you think Mark Zuckerberg will miss the 17 billion US dollars he personally lost? No, because I don't think he's ever looked at those shares as being money. They're they're a control tool for him. They mean he gets to run the company the way he wants. I'm guessing that that's worth more than a few billion dollars to him. Um, And I think that's one of the things we miss. We fixate on the estimated worth of these guys. But that doesn't mean that they do. They already have Mm. huge amounts of money. It's just kind of arbitrary numbers after a while. And besides, you know, once you've got a super yacht and you can wear a box fresh hoodie (laughs) every day of the week, you know, what is there left to spend on? But do you think that confidence issue will worry them? I think that's going to worry them a lot more than the market optics. Uh, In a way, it's like one of those world-breaking, domino-toppling attempts that come onto the TV every once in a while. Mm. The tiles started toppling last year and they've gone up and down and in and out of obstacles in a way that would make for a really compelling OK Go you know, viral oh, video. Yeah. Mm. But we finally reached that end point where declining user confidence and trust has tipped over into the financial market. Concerning the Twitter stockfall, quite a few analysts have claimed to be surprised. They're saying things like Twitter's fundamentals are great. It's turning a corner into profitability. And that may actually be true, but those bullish sentiments overlook the user mistrust that Mm. we've been talking about this year. Twitter has announced plans to delete an incredible 70 million fake accounts. Mm. That's more than the population of Great Britain. (laughs) Uh, 
you know, you have to wonder, were Twitter and Facebook naive or did they not care? Or was there some kind of horrible collision of those two facts somewhere in the middle? What we do know is that a lot of the big social media companies are struggling to maintain growth and attract new signups. At the same time, their role in spreading fake news is prompting some users to delete or retire their accounts. And potential younger customers, they're just not signing up either. And I think of all the factors, that's probably the most worrying for them. Uh, It's amazing to believe that services like Twitter and Facebook could (laughs) be seen as something for old people, but they are. Um, And although we know that younger generations are much more social, it also appears that they're really resentful of the fact that their parents shared their entire childhoods (laughs) publicly on their social media. Mm. So now those kids are at an age when they can get their own social media profiles. They're increasingly opting for networks where they can button down who does or doesn't see their posts. Mm. So we're seeing the increasing importance of applications like WhatsApp, which offer a lot more privacy. For Twitter especially, the rejection of visibility and universality by an entire generation could be incredibly damaging. And I know you've made a decision to stop using Twitter. Well, that is a personal decision, so I'm not going to use the show to soapbox (laughs) Ah, it for once. Um, If you're interested, I have put an article up on Medium.com that explains why I've chosen to leave the service and uh, become a quitter. Um, (laughs) But I think that's probably more than enough about social media. Um, What else is in my untweeted questions bag? Yeah, so let's stick with the news first. We touched on this last week. 3D printed guns. Now there have been some arguments that the dangers are overblown and that the guns that's possible to print are actually unreliable, dangerous and quite limited. And all of that is true. Um, Due to the limitations of the plastic composites that we generally 3D print with, any gun that's printed off can really only be used once, Mm. at least safely. It's not very accurate and it probably won't be very reliable. So in a sense, it is a terrible gun. But you don't legislate by looking at the technology you have today. Uh, Designing laws and the systems that support them takes a long time. So you have to legislate by looking at the technology that we're going to have tomorrow. Mm. You're worried that allowing these pistols today could lead to an amateur missiles tomorrow. Well, Yeah, I know that sounds stupid (laughs) and and ridiculous, Mm. Um, but, you know, it's something that we say on the show over and over. You think you've got time, but then suddenly the future overtakes you. Um, Look at the data protection laws that the EU brought in this year. We should have had those a decade ago, possibly even longer. So in a very short period of time, we're going to be able to do things in our homes that still require billion-dollar production facilities today. It's been a while since we actually talked about 3D printing. Yeah, you know, um, I I had to stop boring people with it, but um, my obsession is still the same. Now, you know, this won't happen overnight. And at first, I think we'll see larger scale machinery in regional kind of staging hubs. Then it will start to move downwards and we'll see kind of big 3D printers in every town or large community before eventually we start seeing a lot more capable equipment actually in our own homes. Mm. So soon the only thing that will control what you can make at home will be your access to the raw materials because you'll have all the means of production literally in your garage or your kitchen or or wherever. Um, So that means we should be able to control, say, the production of most biological weapons But once we start being able to print off metal handguns, then Mm. there'll be nothing to stop us making guns of pretty much any size or caliber. It would just depend on the size of the machine you have at home. Mm. So unless there's a concerted effort globally, 
anyone anywhere will be able to manufacture pretty much any gun or maybe even larger ordnance. And again, I know it sounds stupid, but like heavy artillery systems. Mm. But that's assuming that they can actually get the gunpowder and also the explosive as well, right? But even that might be a lot easier than it sounds with printers that um, will be handling the synthesis of sort of medical drugs and other powdered goods because it'll be very much the kind of similar processes. We're not going to be able to stop this technology. And because there will be so many users, it's going to be very difficult to control as well. Um, 3D printing is basically going to be like the Instagram of warfare. Um, The only thing we can do is come up with legal frameworks that will address part of the problem and push the blueprints as far into the dark web as we can. Okay. Uh, Another common question we all get here. Will AI or robots replace my job? There's a pretty simple answer to that. And the answer is yes. Um, Every single one of us thinks that our role and our job is too important to be outsourced to a a machine. Mm -hmm. And every single one of us is wrong. Um, Machines may not replace every lawyer or accountant or salesperson or DJ or scientist or architect or doctor or writer or designer, marketer, laborer, technician, craftsperson, baker, janitor, security guard, police officer, soldier, airline pilot, taxi driver. I I think you get the point. So machines will replace most of us then? Yes. um, I mean, I still do some of my day job work in the advertising industry. And I was chatting about this to a friend earlier this week. Um, Everyone thinks that because advertising is such a theoretically creative industry, it will be immune to this kind of encroaching technology. But I don't think so. I can certainly see AI replacing human graphic designers within Mm. a few years. Those machines can come up with hundreds or thousands of different variations in the same time that a human design team might be able to come up with half a dozen. So you may still need a creative director to choose which designs are shown to the clients, but you don't need that actual design team. And what's worrying about replacing all the junior positions with machines is that you don't have an obvious route for anyone to develop those leadership or senior management or decision-making skills. And again, that goes across the board, architects, doctors, scientists, etc., etc. And how clever is AI in human terms? Well, you know, I keep trying to get AI experts to give me an equivalent in human years or an IQ level, and they all refuse. Mm. Um, I think this is one of the reasons that we find artificial intelligence so confusing. We have this need to compare AI to our own intelligence. That's, that's natural. That's our default marker. The AI experts try and avoid doing that because machine intelligence is very different to our own. It's not an equivalent to human intelligence. And that won't help anyone either. Well, you know, we all know the story about the AI that is the world Go playing champion. We've talked about it enough times on the show over the last couple of years. It can compute thousands upon thousands of variations of moves. It can look thousands of moves ahead and look at all the different combinations. But if you change the dimensions of that Go board by even a single line, the machine won't be able to function. It won't be able to play at all. The analogy I keep using on the show is the six-year-old boy who knows absolutely everything about dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Can he make you a sandwich? No. Can he calculate the angle on a triangle if he's relatively normal? No. Um, Six-year-old boys are utterly useless unless you want to know about dinosaurs. That's why cats are superior to all children. Mm -hmm. And as bad as that analogy is, 
that's basically what AI is. Okay, a couple of quick ones before we head to the break. Shall I buy cryptocurrency? No, money is a really odd thing to invest in. If it's fluctuating wildly, then it's very bad at being a medium of exchange, which is its actual job. So the value it possesses is entirely arbitrary and it's driven by the belief in its value, which if you can't use it to actually buy stuff with, makes it pointless as anything except a medium of investment. So the circle goes round until everyone wakes up and the currency eventually crashes. You may make some money in the short term if you're lucky, but it is very risky because as a currency, it has to stabilise or be corrected by the market towards its actual value. Can you explain the blockchain? Again, no, um, at least not today. I keep promising I will, and I will do a couple of shows on blockchain uh, this next month before the end of August. Wow, that's a promise. Anyways, when we come back, uh, more of your random technology queries with uh, Culture Pop's Matt Splaining, BFM 89.9. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9. And we're back. It's Fun Friday together with Culture Pop's Matt Amatej. Now, before the break, we rattle through an impressively quick list, quick by Matt's standard anyways, of responses to questions we're often asked. Sticking with the AI, Matt, we were exploring before the break. Will I be able to marry a robot in the future? Well, I am hoping that's a hypothetical <laughs> question. and that, that there Must be for a friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's no specific robot, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Before the break, I was saying how different human and machine intelligence is, but that's not to say that machines won't develop some form of sentience or awareness of their own belongings. So as with 3D guns we were talking about earlier, these are issues where we should be thinking about uh, and legislating for today because the reality is probably going to arrive a lot sooner than we think. Mm. So we have to come up with these kind of governing frameworks for machine intelligence. Guaranteeing the equivalent of human rights. Well, exactly. Uh, as regular listeners will know, I've spent quite a lot of this year talking about sex robots, yeah? um, not because <laughs> it's an area that I'm that interested in, but because people asking me to comment on the subject. Uh, so in part, this goes towards answering your question about marrying a robot. If you have a, a sex robot that has intelligence but is not self-aware, then that's probably not particularly nice, but yeah. it's probably fine. Okay. If you have a sex robot that is sentient but has no control over its own life, then basically what you've created is a slave. Mm. So if we decide as a society that we want machines to become sentient and self-determining and self-aware... I don't see any issue with you and a consenting AI getting hitched, whether the machine has a physical body or it resides in the cloud. If the robot's dumb and it only has a program personality, then, yeah, it's kind of gross. All right. I'm, I'm guessing we're going to stick with the man-machine questioning on this next one. Should I edit my DNA? Well, this is exactly the same argument as the 3D printing for guns. Um, the technology is cheap and easily available. Mm, mm. You can hack your DNA in the comfort of your own home with a few hundred dollars worth of tools. Should you do that? No, mm -mm. you really shouldn't do that. Mm -mm. You know, we're not at the point where we understand what the consequences are. A lot of research is being done, but, you know, genetics is an enormous field. It's going to be a long time before we have a, a really good understanding of what the implications and the consequences of altering our DNA structure are going to be. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to stop the backroom hackers. No, it's not going to stop them because the technology is already a reality. Yeah. Um, and again, it's something that we don't have the social framework to deal with. 
another example of, you know, a place where the rules that govern our behavior have fallen behind the advances in technology. Over the next couple of decades, I think we're going to see thousands of people doing themselves Mm. potentially enormous harm trying to tinker with their DNA. Um, You can see the potential for abuse in professional sports, for example, or in the increasingly competitive world of education, people hacking themselves to enhance their performance in all kinds of aspects of their lives. You know, we talk about laboratory-grown meat on Mm. the show and Mm. how that freaks people out, especially (laughs) you. Well, DNA hacking freaks me out in the way that the the lab meat freaks other people out. And one of your current obsessions is screenless technology. But what a lot of people want to know is, how do you actually browse the web without a screen? Well, of course, um, screenless tech is a bit of a misnomer. It's really (laughs) an extension of the Internet of Things. So at the moment, if you have a lot of smart home devices, you're probably controlling most of them through an app on a smartphone or a tablet. So what we're seeing with systems like Amazon's Alexa, Google's various voice control systems, Siri and a bunch of others, is an attempt to take those devices off our screens and control them with our voices. Uh. Because, you know, we've transitioned from storing information on paper to digital screens, and this is the next step, because speaking is one of the most efficient communication tools that we have. So we won't see screens disappearing completely then? No. um, What we'll be seeing is that information won't be chained to those digital screens. Uh, You're still going to have to write those office reports on Microsoft Office or Google Docs, (laughs) at least until the machines take your job and write the documents themselves. Uh, A lot of the information though that we get we don't need to see things like the time or the weather uh, news headlines all of those can be delivered to us by machines that speak Uh, and a lot of our information searches can also be vocalized with the results being spoken back to us Mm -hmm. for listeners who don't believe me i'll ask you a very simple question what do I look like? <laughs> you know, most of you yeah. won't. Yeah, yeah most of true. you won't know, and mm. most of you won't care. Speaking is why we still have radio in a world that's full of digital screens because voices are important. Going screenless isn't so much a forward step for me, anyway. As a correction, you know, we're bringing the machines into line with the way that humans have always communicated, which is by voice. Won't it be noisy? Well, I think that's the next point. You know, we may have to all end up wearing Bluetooth devices or Mm. having some kind of ear implant. Uh, I don't want to confuse things further by getting into the realm of brain implants and your thoughts directly uh, being transmitted to your communication devices. So let's pretend I haven't mentioned that. Um, But when you look around your office, how many people spend pretty much the entire day with headphones clamped around their ears in bfm's office it's pretty much everyone it's a radio station it's a radio station um so i don't think it's going to be a big shift i think by and large we've already made the behavioral adaptations that will enable voice controlled tech to become pretty much second nature Mm, i think my headphones is just attached to my head now already yeah i I was really surprised when you uh when you took them off earlier because suddenly your hair sprung up and i was like oh yeah jeff has hair now uh long-time listener uma bagan Bagan of the evening edition wants to know where's my ray gun well at risk of being sued by our drive time colleague i will admit that he didn't really ask that question (laughs) but jeff and i both know that he really does want you would want one yeah one of the guardians tech reporters a guy called dave hall has a really fun weekly column called they promised us where he tries to figure out how close we're getting to all those 
must-have sci-fi technology items for, from our childhood. Uh, things like hoverboards, teleporters, holograms, and, of course, that 60s alien invasion staple, the ray gun. So where is my ray gun? All right, calm down. I've taped one to the underside of your desk. It's mm-hmm. there in case of <laughs> alien invasion. Um, it actually looks like the ray gun, at least in terms of being a laser weapon, may be a bit of a non-starter. As boring as it sounds, conventional munitions, like the ones we can 3D print, are simply more efficient in real-world conditions. Uh, lasers are pretty easily distracted by smoke, fog, cloud, and all the normal things that warfare throws at weapon systems. No one's really into it, huh? Well, no, every big country's military is still trying to do stuff with the technology, but because of the amount of power that lasers require, it seems like laser weapons are more suited to stationary positions, say, on the decks of a a ship, where huge power converters can supply them the energy they need. Certainly, we're not likely to see a a taser-sized laser gun anytime soon. Laser weapons are also likely to take quite a bit of time to repower for a second shot and there's a really high likelihood that they're going to overheat and blow up before you can hit your target in the first place well that's a party pooper thing that's a shame though uh well you might be worrying prematurely in terms of um destructiveness and high tech we're just kind of leapfrogging the laser and making scary progress on some truly kind of shock and awe type weapons um there are microwave weapons that work by heating the water in your skin so Mm. those are mooted mainly for kind of crowd control use, um, less deadly weapons or whatever they call them. But tests are continuing to see if they cause any long-term damage. I mean, if you put a piece of chicken in the microwave, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. there's quite a lot of long-term damage. Uh, um, yeah. My favorite are the plasma weapons the U.S. government is supposed to be working on. Um, they literally create lightning and then fire it at wow. you. Yeah, so that uses a different kind of laser, but it yeah. ex- excites all the... The stuff That's around it, and yeah, and it fires. Yeah, so it, it fires lightning at you, and I guess that's the closest that any of us is ever going to get to being, you know, Thor oh, and firing yeah. the Bifrost at, yeah. at anyone. And of course, work continues into particle beam weapons, but uh, they still come with the rather nasty side effect of dousing you in lethal doses of radiation when you fire them. So they're a bit of a, a last resort. Could I make any of these with a three D printer? Well, worryingly, once the technology is out there in the wild, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to make some of them at home. Um, Maybe not today, but within a few generations of the technology, especially, as I said, the microwave weapon, because you already have a microwave using that similar technology sitting there in your kitchen. Mm. So it really does make those one-shot 3D-printed guns look really primitive, right? Yeah. So you're all for these nightmarish, dystopian pronouncements. Does the future really look that bad? No. um, I mean, I had another dystopian exchange with a friend over email (laughs) this last week. The usual Um, madamitish. Yeah. A lot of the time, you know, these futures look dystopian because we look at individual elements. Mm. Um, It's one of the reasons, you know, I've been saying we need to find frameworks and codes of conduct for using all of this new technology. The future nearly always looks nightmarish from certain perspectives. Um, If you go back a few hundred years, you imagine some poor peasant wandering out of the bucolic countryside and into the smoke and dirt and pollution of the Industrial Revolution. That's nightmarish to that person, Mm. but we wouldn't be where we are today unless we'd gone through that. So that's why it's important to know where we're headed and make sure that 
ours is one of the many hands that's on the tiller that kind of directs society. Mm -hmm. One final question, and I'm sure this is a question that we get asked most often. What phone should I buy? Uh, it always comes <laughs> back to that one, doesn't it? How mm. often do you get asked that question? Oof. Uh, just today, I had two. Ah, okay. Just today yeah. itself. I haven't had many today because you're oh, okay. one of the first people I've spoken to. Um, you know, you can maybe you can, I should do that. Not yeah, talk exactly. To not talk to people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can go into great detail and map out what society might look like in 50 years. And the only thing people really want to know is, should I buy the Huawei or the Samsung? Yeah. And my answer, as I'm sure yours does, doesn't change. Mm. If you buy a phone from one of the well-known manufacturers, the chances are it's not really going to be bad. Yeah. Um, blah, blah, processor, blah, blah, RAM. Really, I, yeah. I don't bother explaining it. Exactly. Well. <laughs> who cares, right? Um, look, go into the showroom, test all of the phones that yeah. you're interested in. The assistants won't like it, but, you know, the economy's not great. So if you spend an hour playing with it, they're not going to kick up a fuss because mm -hmm. the chances are you're going to be the only person in the store. So forget the specs, like Jeff said. Find a phone that you like and it works for you. The differences, you know, are really subtle. Yeah. Some manufacturers do better cameras. Uh, some manufacturers have better screen resolution, so on. The stock operating yeah. system versus the custom ones. Find a phone and a price that makes you happy. Yeah. I can't tell you what that will be, so trust your own judgment. All right. So, yeah, we've gone quite a few questions and a lot of 3D printing. Very unusual. A little bit fun, actually. Not so miserable. A little bit fun. A little you. bit fun. A little bit fun. Still dystopian. Still pretty scary. And future looks pretty bleak still. But better than your usual. Anyways, uh, we'll stick around because we've got Geek Squawks after this. Also, you can check out culturepop.com for transcripts of the shows. And you can find out how to bring the dystopian mat into uh, your company. A little bit of mat splitting to your company. Uh, we'll be right back after this. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.